morning, church. Good morning. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I hope you haven't closed your Bibles as we began reading. I must say it's, it's a joy again to be with you and be able to learn together from God's word. Thank you, Brother Richard, for having led us. Today we have sung very well, and uh, I wish we could continue singing, but it is also time that we should turn to God's word. We have read verses 1 to 14. I would wish, I would encourage us to continue. So let's pick it up from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, a righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise, why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not to let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than ten rulers in a city. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by the wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound who can discover it. So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate, and to search out wisdom and schemes of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap, and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look what look, says the teacher. This is what I have discovered, adding one thing to another to discover the schemes of things while I was still searching but not finding. I find one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. This only have I found. God made mankind upright but men 
have gone in search of many schemes. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer again. Our Father, we count it a privilege that we have been drawn in this your house to raise our voices to sing songs of praise to your holy name and to acknowledge the work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in making us your children. We are grateful now that we have read from this your word. We pray that, O oh Lord, the interpretation of it may be made clear to each one of us. Lord, be present with us. May the Spirit of God, who is the true teacher himself, guide us through as we study from this your word. This is our prayer. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So far we have seen chapters 1 to 6 and seen what the teacher or the preacher or the wise man had in mind and why he was communicating it. Chapter 7 is a chapter that begins to deal with real issues. He is in this section continuing to ask questions. Remember, I said that when you are dealing with the wisdom literature, your mind must be very, very active. You should be thinking. You should be reflecting on what is being said and why is it being said. And when we arrive at this point, there are certain things he has thrown before us that will help us to understand. But we may not understand if we do not engage our minds. So for this reason, I have entitled the sermon as, What is Better? In that sense, you begin to compare what is better between this and that. There's a short story of a young boy who was in grade four, and you know, some schools, you find that you are in grade four alone. The rest are in grade three, the others are in grade two, the others are in grade five, but this boy was in grade four alone. I don't know whether it is still going on now or not, but grade five used to be called upper primary. When you move from lower primary to upper primary, it was a big achievement. So this boy was in the class alone, and the teachers were teaching this boy so that at the end of the year, he can write an exam to go to upper primary. And like the way things are, the exam came. The boy wrote the exam, and I don't know what you can guess. Did he pass or fail? Which is better, to pass or to fail <laughs> when you're alone in class? <laughs> the boy said, even if I get everything right, I'll still be number one. If I get everything wrong, I'll still be number one. <laughs> but I mean, here, here is what is happening in our minds. Which is better? To have or not to have? To pass? When, when you're looking at life alone, which is better to live or to die? That's why people commit suicide. They do not think. 
And it's possible, dear friends, that even when you're alone, you can still fail because you cannot get, you're supposed to get everything right in that class because the teachers are focusing on you, the only student. You're supposed to understand these things far better than when you have 20 or 50 pupils in class. But because you do not think, you do not pay attention, you can fail. And as the Lord brings his word to us at personal level, let's begin to reflect. Let's begin to think. Let's find out what is better so that we can pursue that which is better. In answering this big question, the author has given us things to compare from verse 1 to verse 13. And he has begun to say, well, there's something known as perfume. He says there's a funeral house and there's a feasting house. There's sorrow and laughter. There's rebuke and praise. There's starting and ending. There's what we call old golden days and new days. Which of these is better? Let me say something just a little bit about perfume. I mean, some of you are wearing very good perfume today. Others, they wear that perfume whereby even when you are in the car park, it's affecting the people that are far off. They begin sneezing because it is some strong perfume. But the reason the perfume was created, I don't know what other reasons you know, but what I know is that people went hard and they were sweating, and as they were sweating, their bodies produced some aroma. I'm using the word aroma nicely. <laughs> Otherwise, it's supposed to be some stench, but I'm using the word aroma. As you enter the house where there was no wind blowing, your body released that smell, and it wasn't good smell. So they invented the perfume so that if you spray it, the bad smell doesn't come out. The good one is the one that comes out. But it was also meant for those people, particularly men who don't like showering. Sorry, men. So that they can just quickly do a quick one and off they go, they still smell nice. But they know that they never took a shower. They still smell very well. So the author is asking us to say, is it a good name or some good perfume that you like? The perfume was for public. So that out there, you are well known as that guy who smells good. And yet inside you, you know that I didn't take a shower. I'm actually sweating and things are not okay. Which is good? Is it that perfume or a good name, which in this case is character? But my turning point is really verse 14. The comparisons are there given to us verses uh, 1 to 13, 
you begin to make comparisons and surely certain things you can think through to say, but this is not true. Like verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. And then goes on to explain to say, when you are sorrowful, your heart becomes better. No, no, no. When you are sorrowful, most of the time you get sick, you have ulcers. Laughter is medicine for the heart. But then, I want us to make a U-turn at verse 13, 14 rather. It is an invitation which he began to talk about in verse 13. Consider to think through. It is a call, dear friends, not just to look and see, but to evaluate, to intensely or thoroughly investigate, to note accurately with interest so that you do the right thing. Where the author has told us to say, consider what God has done, who can straighten it. And he says, when times are, are bad, be are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider God who made one and the other. It, it, it's that idea of thinking through, that idea of evaluating. That's what describes wisdom. That's what brings about whether you are intelligent or not when you think through. In the words of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the famous Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, he says, Consider, think of a father, how he cares. If he takes care of the lily of the valley, of the flowers that grow out there, how does he care about his children? Think if he's able to look after the flowers that are out there. Can he take care of you as a human being? Which is better? So then, let us see what he, he tells us in, in the text that we have read. I have taken verses 15 to 18 as one section that talks about good character versus good perfume. And I've taken verses 19 to 25 as what is the source of your strength. And yeah, the last verses, 26 to 29, just a consideration of how vulnerable you and me are. So let's then spring, as it were, from verse 1. The, the reality here is to talk about the character of a human being. He has already introduced himself in verse 15. He says, in this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, a righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. This, this is the picture, dear friends. I hope you, you, you do see this, this picture. There are people that we have looked at to say this is a wise man. This is a man who has an influence over the people and he has this influence in the rightful way. 
This is the man that we should listen to. This is the man that should live longer. But those are the men that die earlier. But then we have seen some people that are, are just numbers, you can't say. They are a source of problems. They are wicked men. And then they live longer. He's, he's around. The good ones die in their righteousness. The bad ones continue. They live longer. And you ask yourself, what is better? Should I die? Or should I become wicked and live longer? And knowing how sweet life is, you are inclined towards being wicked so that you live longer. You want to give up on your righteousness so that you can pursue the wicked route and live longer. Friends, that is not life. That should not even cross our minds. We should not be comfortable to say, well, I want to live longer by being wicked. You can't. Because wickedness is going to catch. It's, it's like perfume. Even when you, you wear it, it would, the moment you go in the sun and you pass around, it is all gone. You begin to wonder, did I? Did I? That's why ladies maybe use the handbags. They go and do it again so that they are fresh. It is gone. In other words, do not admire a wicked person. And unfortunately, in our time today, our eyes and ears are so much focused in the world, admiring what wicked people are doing. And we are slowly but sure following the wicked, thinking we will live longer, thinking it is better to be wicked and live longer. No ways, friends. Character is very important. Character is everything. It doesn't matter how long you may live here on earth, but with good character, with the righteousness you have, and when you touch lives of people, it will live in, your life will live longer than the grave. People will remember you for the good that you did because you remained faithful. You will die and be buried. Your name will live forever in the lives of people that you touched. Why do we learn history? We look back to look at the lives of people that lived good lives and how they touched lives of people. That's, that's what he's saying here. Why should you admire a wicked person? Character 
must be built. That's why, friends, people of good character are the ones who know what the Bible says. Like verse 16 has told us, do not be over-righteous. You begin to say, is that from the Bible? Because the Bible is requiring us to be righteous. And the Bible is saying, do not be over-righteous. It simply say, put, it is saying, do not overrate yourself. There are some people that look around and say, um, I think in our assembly, if you are to put Christians according to hierarchy, I come number, you know the number that you put yourself on. You, you, you look at, like, who is a Christian around there? I am the holy one. I am the best one. That is not good character. A person of character will always say, I have not reached there. I am working hard. Look at what the Apostle Peter, Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, if you consider yourself righteous, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, maybe let's turn to that text. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. By the way, 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Do not Deceive yourselves. If when anyone thinks he is wise, by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. So in other words, let's not overrate ourselves. If you think you are wise, then that's a problem. But if you, you will not pray for wisdom because you think you are wise. Here is what good character is all about. Good character is to be humble. Good character is not to lean on our understanding. Good character is not to look down on another person. Good character is to be able to say, Lord, here I am. Build me. I am yours so that I am going to be useful in your hands. Good character is to have a stable mind. Good character is to be consistently doing what is right. Let me just come a little bit back home. Look at ourselves as a nation, for example. How sometimes we have overrated ourselves. We have described Zambia as the haven of peace. Are we sure? 
This is where peace stays. Sometimes we have even said we are the beacon of, of peace. We are a stable nation. You are implying like we don't need anything. We are okay. Friends, very quickly, let me just prick in your minds how we prayed last year towards the elections. How did we pray? Almost in every church, there was an announcement. Pray for this nation. Pray for the election. Pray and pray. What has happened soon after the elections? We packed prayer for the nation and carried on business as usual. Good character would have continued to pray. We desperately need to pray for the people that are in leadership today than ever because we are laxed to say they are okay. We don't know what is happening down there. That's why God should be present to remind them that they could have been there because of the prayers of the saints and they need to be careful as they lead God's people. That's wisdom. That is being better if we continued to pray. If we were able to say, yes, this political party that has come into power needs God's guidance and that they may hear it, that they need God's guidance. Otherwise, we have already sung, the arm of flesh who fail you do not even trust your own. You know, when you trust your hand, it's like, ah, I'm a boxer. The moment this blow lands on this opponent of mine, the opponent is going to fall. That opponent is just going to do this and you miss. You take your whole body in front and he hammers you. It's you who falls down. Because you have given up. Friends, if we are to pray for our nation, let's pray for our nation now. Let's not give up. A good character is the one who has not arrived. As a nation, we haven't yet arrived. As a church, we have not yet arrived. We are far away. That's why, dear friends, he has reminded us which is better. Is it the old golden days or our time? Many of us look back and see the late 1970s, the 1980s, as years of revival, when we knew how to sing hymns from our heads, when we knew what brother fellowship was all about, when we memorized scripture, when we moved with our Bibles, when we evangelized to anyone. And we thought we had arrived and we gave up. These years have come where people have no idea of what song to sing. Where people have no idea whether they should move with their Bible. They say, no, my Bible is in the phone. But they don't read it in the phone. All they do is text other people other things. If we are to be wise, we are supposed to be consistent. We are supposed to overcome our old days and do better now. 
Which is better? Look at your Christian work. Is it better when you became a Christian or it's better now? It's supposed to be better now because you have acquired more wisdom. You have understood what the word of God says. You are able to look back and counting your blessings and you have seen what the Lord has done for you. Friends, it's time that we should stand up and stand up for Jesus because of what he has done for us. It is not the perfume on a Sunday, appear a Christian, and the rest of the day we smell wildness. But the rest of the time, living as a Christian is what God demands of us. So then in making those comparisons, verses 15 to 18, he challenges us with those words. It's good. It is good to grasp the one and not to let the other. The man who fears God will avoid the extremes. In other words, the man who fears God will be consistent in his work with God. Then verses 19 to 25 in being wise, you have to show your strength. I'm asking the question, what is your source of strength? Which is better, to get your strength from outside or to get your strength from within? To get your strength from other people or from yourself? And he says, wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than ten rulers in a city. You know, when you're you are a ruler, you're you are a powerful person. But one man of integrity cannot be compared to ten rulers who are corrupt. That is just amazing. Because rulers don't move alone. Rulers have their friends. Rulers are guarded. And if there are ten of them, it's good. They are powerful. But the Bible has told us just one righteous man cannot be compared to those ten. What, what is this? It is the source of your strength. In this case, dear friends, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 makes a lot of sense. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The idea of having your source of strength is what keeps you going. What is it that will make you motivated using today's terms. Be driven to continue in your righteousness. Is it what people are going to say or not? Is it some company or not? For example, what should make you consistently come to church, be part of the fellowship here? Some people are driven by the way we sing. 
That's why I've gone there. The day when it is not villain, you won't like it. Others are driven by the preacher who preaches. They say, ah, that man takes us to sleep. The others say, ah, maybe. Others, the furniture. There's, there's enough space to that church, so I go and sit where I feel like. Others, it's just the company of other friends. Oh, yeah, there are good people at that church, so I'll go to that church. What is it that motivates you? What is it that drives you? What is it that makes you become consistent? This is what the man, the wise man says. When you know what is right, you will not be moved from knowing what is right. You will do it with all your strength to bring out the particular results that are expected. In this section, therefore, he is helping us to be selective listeners. Listen to what is good so that you may be able to continue. So see what he, how, how he puts it. He says in verse 21, in verse 20 rather, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. That is comfortable for all of us. But listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, do not pay attention to every word people say. Because you want to, to be encouraged, because you want to continue, what are some of the things that you should be aware of? Uh, the, the writer here is saying, as you listen, be a good listener. But don't take to heart everything because sometimes you hear bad words. You hear bad statements. Even coming from wrong people. He's saying the people that you have taken care of You go and bring this person from the village and you bring them home and you, you raise them up. And then as you are listening to them, they begin to say, me, I've lived in that house. This couple does not care. This couple is useless. And the moment you hear that, it is no longer in your ears. It will go to your heart. It will break your heart. Me, who raised you from the village? Today I've taken you to school. Now you know how to speak English. I am the one who is useless. Yeah? Your anger will burn towards other people. But he's saying, as you listen, be selective. But there's something else you should do as you do so. Know that even you, you do curse other people. Put yourself at the same level with others. Do not listen and pick bad words. 
know that you also can be an author of bad words. Because people can live because you have said bad words. People cannot be motivated to continue because of bad words. I mean, I, I, I heard of one marriage that was about to break. The only word that the, the, the man said, which was heartbreaking to the wife, was the man said, I don't care. I don't care. So this man is, has told me, all these years we have lived together, he has said, I don't care. Where has he put me all these years? Let this marriage end. But, but just, I don't care. There are things, friends, that we should learn to ignore and be able to pursue that which is right. But there's something else he says. When you don't pay attention, know in your heart that you too can be a source of bad news. He says he has tested this with wisdom, and in finding out with wisdom, he also discovered the problem with mankind. The problem is things that hurt you. Then he gives those examples which most men love, verse 24 and 26. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound who can discover it. Let's not arrive. Let's keep digging deeper and deeper to find wisdom. And we don't usually like that. Actually, the verses that I thought men love are the ones in the next section. But listen to what the Apostle Paul, before I reach there, says as far as um, having a source of strength is concerned. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 16. The Apostle Paul is saying, I have not yet arrived. But what I do is this. Because I know whom I believed in. Because I am convinced that he is my savior. I set aside everything and I strain myself towards the goal. That is being consistent. That is being wise. That is being intelligent. He pursues that which is right. He's, he's saying, which is better? To have the strength from outside or strength from within. But the strength from within is based on the knowledge that he has about the Savior. And he will do everything. Look at the words he uses. He uses very difficult words. He strains towards the God. He pushes he runs. And in so doing, he gets his goal to be transformed. He will know the difference between um, wickedness or stupidity. He will know the difference, how wicked it is. 
Luke verse 25, that's how he describes the work that he has done. He turns to his mind to investigate, to search for wisdom. Investigation and searching are hard work. Let me now come to my third point. Just in case you may say, you're wise, but here is what he's saying. We are all vulnerable. We have no strength on our own. Surely, like I said, most men will find verse 26 and 28 as, uh, yeah, I think it is true when it says, I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare. By the way, today is supposed to be Mother's Day. We are not talking about women, we are talking about mothers. <laughs> Those of you that are married, we are talking about, we are not talking about wives' day, we are talking about Mother's Day. But here is what the wise man has said in our text. He is saying, a woman who is a snare, who is a trap, who catches you, is, bet, is bitter than death. He says, who can escape such a woman? He says, it's only the man who fears God. We may look at our wives and say, you are the woman who is a snare, who has caught me. No, no, it's, that's not what it is talking about. Here it's talking about things that can trap us. They are like the way men are trapped by women. Even when you know that when I have what they call side chick, I'll be spending more money than what I spend at home. Have, has, have men stopped? No. Throughout the ages, there is left. Even when Solomon says, friends, I was there. I would have been better if I had one wife. But even up to now, our own television is busy promoting Impari so that every day we see Impari as if it's normal to have seven wives and the children know the names of the people in that soap opera. You know what? The moment they reach ages of marrying, they may go that direction because this image is sticking too much in them. You can be enslaved. We are all vulnerable. You can't escape without God. It doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter what type of education we may have. We may be held by this snare of sin. If we don't depend on God, if God is not our source of strength, we are all vulnerable. He says, I have looked, I've searched. The man who pleases God will escape. The man who fears God will escape. Why? Because the power, the strength is coming from God. If it is coming from your own self, 
My friend, you'll be caught in this snare. We thought it is only the uneducated who drink kachasu. But even the educated also drink kachasu. We thought it is only the uneducated that will mess up. Even the educated are. It is only the men who please God. Those who fear God, they are the ones who can escape. That's what victory is all about. This day is the noise of battle. The next is the victor's song. It is only those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who can have a song of victory. It is only when we realize how vulnerable we are, we are going to say, stand not in your own strength, but in the strength of God our Savior. There are traps that catch men. He has said, I have tried to add one thing to another, to discover the schemes of men, to find other sources of strength to overcome this vulnerability that man is in. Oh, as long as he is a sinner, he cannot find his way. And here is his conclusion of the matter. This one I have found. God made man upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. What is your source of strength? Is it on Christ, the solid rock you stand? Or are the ground is but sinking sand? Or is it on your own experience? That trap will surely find you. Let me conclude it by saying this. Which is better, my friends? Is it to acknowledge your sin and repent it from it or to conceal your sin to let it eat you? Is it to repent or to pretend? Is it to fear God or to fear man? We can go on and on. Which is better? The wise man has told us we cannot blame God because God created us upright. It is our search for other schemes that needs to be examined. A proper examination will tell us that there's no need for us to hide. There's no need for us to pretend. Not even to ignore. But we should live a righteous life by surrendering to God who created us. David put it in this way. Oh Lord, you know, you have searched me. You know how wicked I am. You know who I am because you know I come to you. That's what repentance is all about. To agree with God that because you know me, I want to come to you that you may lead me in paths of righteousness. Will you choose to die in your righteousness, living a short life, or you choose to live in a longer life that is of wickedness or not? 
May the Lord help us as we reflect through to make a choice to find out which is better for us. Amen.